What is up, everybody? My name is Juan Perez, and welcome to The First View. Our podcast was created for one reason, to be a platform for people of color to share their journeys through their stories. These individuals have had to overcome obstacles and are striving to be successful. Our goal is simple, to inspire and motivate people of color everywhere to accomplish anything they want. We want to share stories that you can relate to, while also learning through their experiences and perspectives. Thank you for supporting our podcast and people of color everywhere. As a school board trustee for the Salinas Union High School District, Anthony Rocha is now your average 21-year-old. He won his first election at just 19 years old and is running for the Salinas City Council this fall. In today's episode of The First View, Anthony shares how he achieved the seemingly impossible. He shares his personal value and how they applied to his platform, as well as advice for other young POCs with big dreams. What's up, everyone? I'm here with Anthony Rocha, who I'm super excited to be here with today because he actually was able to be part of my graduating class in terms of graduating a year earlier than me and really inspired me to move forward with politics. Um, when he was a senior, he was actively looking for roles in politics. And once I became a senior, I was actually able to do a lot with voter registration that was very much so inspired by him. So I'm very glad to have him on the podcast. How are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me. Um, and thank you for the work that you've done in our community. Certainly, you are playing an important role by elevating the voices of uh, people who look like us and people who share similar stories. Um, and you did a lot of work at Alvarez with regards to the voter registration project. And uh, this is the first that I heard that I was an inspiration, so that's really nice to hear. Um, but uh, I'm sure you're an inspiration to a lot of young people as well. You're an inspiration to me uh, because I'm currently in an elected role, so I have a responsibility to the public, but you are doing it out of the kindness of your heart and more so out of a call to action as a citizen in, in this country. So thank you for that. Yeah, of course. And thank you for those kind words. And I really do want to jump into your story right away because I know you have a lot to say and I know the, I know the listeners have a lot to take from you. So with that, start us with uh, just telling us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, so my name's Anthony Rocha. I currently serve as a school board member for the Salinas Union High School District. Um, but my story begins actually in a city of Greenfield. Um, that is where my family is from. And for those that don't know, Greenfield is uh, in South County. It's about, I would say, 40 to 50 minutes from here. Um, and it's a small community, maybe maximum like 5,000 to 9,000 people live in that town. Um, so my, my parents met there and my dad actually immigrated to this country at a very young age. He was about, I would say, 14 years old uh, or maybe younger when he came to the United States. And my mother uh, was born and raised in the United States. And I think that highlights the generational difference because we often hear, you know, first generation college students who have both immigrant parents but a lot of us now in this generation, uh, one of our parents are immigrants or actually either, neither of our parents are immigrants. So, um, you know, I'm, I, I'm that next generation, right? So my story begins in humble beginnings. Uh, my parents met and my mom uh, got with my father when she was 19 years old and had me when she was 19 years old. Um, so uh, she was a, a young mother in the city of Greenfield and my father 
uh, and my mother both worked uh, several jobs uh, to keep a household uh, over our heads and to provide for us. And um, my father ended up getting cancer um, early on in his life, like in his late 20s, early 30s. And he ended up passing away from cancer when I was five years old. Um, so really that is one of, you know, the defining factors in my life is my father passed away from cancer when he was five years old. So really it shifted my entire life uh, because my mother no longer had the ability to provide for a cool home. So we uprooted our family and we moved to the city of Salinas um, at a very early age, I was five years old. So um, I had, I went to first grade in John Stambeck Elementary School and my mother was really intentional in where she moved. She moved into Creekbridge because she wanted a strong education for her children. And uh, she wanted to make sure that her kids were growing up in, a, in you know, um, a safe place, right? And she wanted us to have opportunities that were not granted to her as she grew up in Greenfield. Uh, so we moved to Salinas and, and we've lived in that same place ever since. It's been about 15, 17 years that I've lived in that same place. Um, so that's really the origins of my story. Why well, I, I forgot a key component, which is I have a sister that's two years younger than me. So not to exclude her from my life, but you know, she, she did, um, you know, I, I grew up with my sister. I've been very close to my sister. Um, so yeah, we moved to Salinas and we went to John Stambeck Elementary School. And then I went to Hardin Middle School and I went to Everett Alvarez High School. And growing up as a young person, a young person of color to a single mother, um, I always knew that racism existed, but I didn't know it was racism. I always knew that injustices happened, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it as to what the injustice was, uh, but I knew something was not right. So um, I had this, this desire in me to always fight for the little guy without knowing it. It's just, it was my normal call to action for myself. Um, so uh, I was probably a junior in high school, and I'm not sure if you remember this one, but that's when all of the uh, shootings were at a really high rate. It was like 45 homicides per year. Um, it was literally like every single day we would go out and we'd hear like either, you know, about someone getting shot or, or you know, or an attempted murder. Um, and what I saw was, in my opinion, a lack of investment in youth, a lack of investment opportunities for youth. So as a junior in high school, I really uh, wasn't sure how I wanted to make a difference, but I knew I wanted to make a difference. So literally one day I was, um, my mom was driving me home. I forgot where we were coming from. And I looked on my phone for like opportunities for youth to get involved in the city. And I came across the Salina City's Youth Commission. So I uh, put my application to serve as a commissioner for the Youth Commission. And I was appointed to serve on that. And I was 15 years old. So this is back in 2015. And I was appointed to serve in that role. Um, and in that role, I really uh, was tasked with being um, a representative of the concerns of youth at the city level. Um, but in that role, I was very limited in what I was able to do. And that's when I realized that sometimes in elected office or in just in government in general, youth are given a platform, but really it's not a real platform. It's just a way for us to feel like we're being part of something, but we're really not. Um, so I was struggling in, in that I wanted to fight for the type of change, but I was limited in what I could do. And then that's when the shooting of Carlos Robles happened. And that was really um, traumatic for our community, right? And it was a lot, of, um, a lot of community organizing that came out of that. 
And I would actually say um, we saw murals painted, and and I think North High did like a like a memorial service some type for him at that school. Um, and then I don't know if you remember, but there were two young people who were gunned down that went to our school at Alvarez, right? Uh, I can't remember the names off the top of my head. Um, but uh, what really struck me was that these young people who were gunned down from our school were not the quarterback. They were not the well-known, um, you know, student in the class, right? They, they were probably perceived as the young kids that were already on the wrong tracks. So when they were gunned down, I, there was no real um, community uproar from it. And I know, um, I, I know that uh, in um, our school district, uh, or at least in, in Alvarez, the principal didn't um, do much to recognize it. Um, but I see you have your, your, your thumb up. So I'll yeah, so I just wanted to speak on that just a little bit. Um, when you were a junior, I was a sophomore, and that's when Juan Perez died. Um, yes. He actually was in my health class, and he sat one seat in front of me. And imagine hearing, like, this person with your name, like, killed and gunned down. And, like, when I got out of class, my parents called me, and they were like, are you okay? Are you fine? And I was like, of course. Like, why? Like, is everything okay? And it was just like Juan Perez died. And you're right. Um, there was maybe like a moment of silence for him over the intercom, and that was kind of like the last we heard of it. Um, and that was also a very like turning. It was a turning point for me because, like, there had there had to be something that was that would, had to be done. Um, and it was we didn't hear much of. Um, he said, "Carlos, like Carlos, we heard heard a big uproar, uh, and not not for Juan." And I just wanted to reaffirm that that's totally true because. Um, like that affected me very deeply. And like I said, just having the same name was just something that affected me in ways that honestly I, I didn't know would in the future. Yeah, and you know, you highlighted a good point, which was that it affected all of us. Um, because at least for me, what I felt was that could have been me and I could have gone through the same thing. And what we were seeing was a devaluation of life. Uh, so I know a lot of young people were really upset about it, and we had gone to the principal at the time uh, and asked her to uh, do something for it, right, to, to, to commemorate, not to commemorate, but to recognize that a life had been taken. Um, and we were given that 10 seconds of silence, which I thought was so disrespectful in that they said an eagle has fallen, when this is a life that was taken. Um, it was not, you know, a bird that fell out of the sky. Um, it was someone who had a family, someone who had a bright future ahead of them, and someone who was a part of our community. And they were taken from us at a young age. So um, I remember going to the principal's office at the time, and I asked her if we could do something to uh, more than that intercom message, and I was told it's against district policy. And I said, well, North High did it. And I was told, and this phrase was seared into my brain, which served as the, um, my motivation to continue to do what I do. And still to this day, it's what serves as my motivation. I was told, I'm not asking you what North High did, I'm telling you what I'm gonna do at my school. 
Um, and that really stuck with me. Um, so I made it a point to get involved and make a difference by advocating for more programs for youth. Uh, because I really do believe that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And if we could get youth into programs, if we could get youth into employment opportunities and into recreational opportunities, we are able to dramatically reduce the amount of youth that will go into gangs and that will go down the wrong path, right? Um, so I, I just found that my mission to advocate for that. And that's how, through my advocacy there, I was appointed to serve on the Monterey County's Mental Health Commission, where I oversaw with my fellow commissioners a really extensive process, which was the Mental Health Services Act funding, which distributed critical uh, grants and funding to organizations that worked on providing mental health services that were not provided by the government. And from there, I went on to serve on the Library and Community Services Commission, on the uh, Board of Directors for the Community Alliance for Safety and Peace, and on the Board of Directors for the Education Foundation. Um, but what I learned really uh, early on, and um, it was to my detriment that I did not pay attention to it more, was that me being involved as a young person, um, for many elected officials, was a way for me to be a photo op and was a way for me to be tokenized instead of me to be used for the full potential that I had. And this was around 2016 when Donald Trump was elected and we were seeing the, you know, just disgusting vitriol that was being aimed at immigrants and Sanctuary City came before the city of Salinas. Um, and at the time I was a library and community services commissioner. And um, the person that had appointed me, John Viegas, which now it's the person that I'm running against, but the person that had appointed me was an adamant Trump supporter, still is to this day, and was someone who was not for Sanctuary City. Um, and I spoke in support of Sanctuary City and then I was interviewed by the Californian because I was, um, you know, being highlighted as being one of the youngest commissioners, or probably the youngest commissioner ever in the history of Salinas. So, you know, they asked me what I had thought on Sanctuary City. And well, to provide some, some background is the Sanctuary City vote died. It didn't, we did not become a Sanctuary City. And still to this day, the city of Salinas, the city of overwhelming majority Latinos, we're not a Sanctuary City. Um, so they asked me what I had thought about the fact that the city didn't approve it. And what I had said was, I can't remember word for word, but pretty much what I said was that it was a disgrace to our community that the city council did not stand with the Latino community. Well, literally, uh, probably a day later, I get a message from the council member saying he wants to meet with me. So we meet and he made it pretty clear that he was not happy that I spoke in support of Sanctuary City. And I continued my advocacy on, on issues of race and racial justice. And one day, without receiving a text message, without receiving a phone call, without receiving an email or a letter, I was removed from the Library Commission. Um, and I can't help but think it's because I was being a troublemaker, right? But in a good way. Um, so it was really crushing for me as a young person who was getting involved because I thought that, you know, here we're all trying to make our city a better place. And I was taken off the commission for being an advocate for my community. So, um, you know, I had to look for a way to continue to serve and maybe it wasn't within a position of authority, right? So um, I continued to serve on several boards and then um, we we're at Alvarez, it was my senior year, right? Um, 
when we had the farm problem that came up. So for those to provide some context, um, we were, or you guys were working out of a farm that I believe did not have electricity um, and was really run down and it was next to the county jail. Um, and by comparison, um, Salinas High had a greater facility by a, a long shot, but I'll let you provide more insight on that. You were yeah, so just to talk about that, there is no electricity. We were next to a county jail where multiple times we had people come down and just like look around the farm and just like stay there, just to total strangers. It was like very unsafe. We actually had, um, like there was a big gust of wind one day and it tore down the top of the barn and almost hit one of our teachers with a flying piece of metal. So it was just like, we need something new and we need something that one, this, this program fosters a lot of youth's experience in job opportunities and in just learning about responsibility. We need something different. Um, and I was just so like, it was, we, uh, we were lost because we didn't know what to do. And so we went to the council, you know, council members and nothing happened. And I'll, I'll let you continue that story. Well, you know, I think you highlighted really what it was about. It was a clear um, lack of investment in students of color because Salinas High, I, I believe Salinas High had a better facility than us, right? Okay. Um, he, Juan's not, he said yes. Um, so yeah, Salinas High had a better facility than us and um, that's when we collectively advocated to the school board um, about what we wanted, which was an investment in a program that provided leadership opportunities and recreational opportunities for youth. It, you know, fell on deaf ears and we were not able to get the funding for it. Um, and actually my opponent, uh, who served on the board at the time, um, I remember after a board meeting, I wanted to talk to her about it. And she totally blew me off. She said, you know, uh, I, I have somewhere that I have to go and, you know, kind of raised her hand in, in a way of like, kind of like, get away from me. Um, I have somewhere that I have to go. I think she said that she had to pick up her son from somewhere, uh, which is fine. But, you know, she was very dismissive of me in, in um, with me requesting some time to talk to her about it. Um, and that's when I realized that was my second time of someone in a position of authority being dismissive of me. And it's directly because I was a young person, right? Um, because would they have treated me like that if I was a 40-year-old white man? Probably not. Um, and so that's when I realized that if youth wanted to have their issues represented, wanted to have their voices heard, and wanted to be a part of the decision-making process, we had to be at the table. So that is when in my head at the age of, you know, 17 years and a half, I said, I'm going to run for school board, you know, um, and kind of talk about manifestation, right? But um, so, uh, you know, a couple of years passed, right? I think a year and a half or so passed. Um, and I was just active in my community. And then it was 2018, which is actually the year I got the right to vote, not the right, but the year I was legally able to vote. Um, and I decided that I was going to run for school board. And, you know, that's really where the funny story begins. I say it's funny, but it's actually kind of, you know, semi-traumatic. I always call it a beautiful, wonderful, awful, traumatic, horrible experience. <laughs> um, but um, I decided to run for school board. Um, and I had been doing work in the community already. So I had thought to myself, hey, all these people are going to support me. They're going to have my back. They know what I'm about. 
And it was quite the opposite, let me tell you. I was running against someone who had all the power, had all the connections, and was really established in politics. Um, and what I heard a lot was people tell me, well, Anthony, you're 19 years old. You know, it's almost like if I didn't know that about myself, like, oh, reality check, I'm 19 years old. Of course I'm 19 years old, you know what I mean? Um, that's why I'm running. And, you know, well, Anthony, you're 19 years old. You should continue to focus on your education. You know, you should really focus on your future. Politics will always be here, which is actually really interesting because nobody ever tells a man, you know, you should really focus on your family. You should really focus on your business. But they'll tell a young person, you should focus on your education. They'll tell a mother, you should focus on your children. Um, so I was, you know, I faced a lot of age discrimination. I faced a lot of barriers as a young candidate. And actually, um, there was a person who was quite involved in politics. Uh, and um, I reached out to him. Actually, he reached out to me to tell me that I was not going to be supported by that person's group. Um, and uh, I said, but why? I, I'm the best candidate for the race. You know, this person voted against project labor agreements. This person has voted against unions. This person hasn't been on the side of working families or the community. And he said, oh, well, that doesn't matter. She's an ally to us. And I was like, what do you mean that doesn't matter? Isn't politics about community and about issues? And what it became clear to me at the moment was politics is really about power. And that's why we need different people in elected office. Um, and they told me, um, we're not going to support you and you should drop out of the race. So then I said, I, I'm not dropping out of the race, but thank you for your, you know, words of encouragement, right? <laughs> so um, I continued to be on my campaign. And then about a week and a half later, I got a call from this person again. And they told me, hey, you know, you're really great. And, you know, we would just really like to see an elected office. How about you run for this position instead, which was the hospital board? Um, and I was like, okay, so let me get this straight. You want me to run for the hospital board, a 19-year-old, against a doctor for the hospital board? Yeah, that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, so I, I turned down their offer for me to run for something else. And then they said, well, you're not going to win the school board race. I hope you know that. And they said, okay, well, you know, thank you for your words of encouragement. Um, and then I, like a week later, I got another call from this person. They were being really relentless. And it was because... Um, the filing deadline was going to come up and they at all costs were trying to just dissuade me and trying to get me to, to drop out of the race because um, they knew that they would have to deal with me in the election once I was a finalized candidate. But if they could keep me off the ballot, then it was a win for them. So they were really trying to psych me out and they're trying to get into my head. And he calls me again and he says, you know, you're not going to win. And not only are you not going to win, but we're going to kick your ass. And we're going to make sure you never get elected to anything ever in your life. So if you want to get in politics, I would suggest you drop out of the race now. And I was like, you know, I was shocked because um, at the time, you know, here I am trying to get involved in politics. And we always hear, we need young people involved in politics, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the only one is for their pictures and to work on their campaigns. Um, so here I was being told, and of course they didn't mean it literally, but I was being told that they were going to kick my ass in the election, that they were going to make sure I didn't win. Um, and this is a person who had a lot of power. So at that moment, I had a, you know, a reality check with myself. And I asked myself, am I doing the right thing? And I remember once I got off the phone call, I was literally shaking uh, because I, uh, I was just, you know, in disbelief at what I had just been told. And I had to have a really, you know, reality check with myself. And I told myself, can I win? Can I run? Can I win? And can I put up with this for four years? 
because you know once the campaign's over then the real work begins because you're in elected office um and i really honestly was going to drop out of the race um and i had talked to a few of my friends and i was already ready to drop out of the race um and then all the young people were really my, my best friend that i was talking to they were really disappointed and you know they were like oh well maybe next time but i could tell you know, it was really disappointing for them that I was going to drop out. So I decided, you know what, if I get my ass kicked, well, at least I had fun getting my ass kicked, right? Um, So I'm going to run. And if I win, good. And if I lose, at least I got young people excited about a political campaign. Um, So I decided I was going to run. And I made it official. And, you know, I submitted my paperwork and I became a candidate for office. Um, the campaign was very intense. It was very brutal. And um, my opponent raised $17,000 from three sources. And I raised $8,000 from 60 individual donors. So I was vastly outspent. And she had been in the position for nine years. Um, so on election day, here's the funny part is, you know, other candidates who are running, we, they wanted to have an election night party. And I was like, oh, hell no, I don't want to have an election night party. I don't want to go to my own funeral, have everyone tell me, oh, you know, you did so good. Maybe next time. You know, I'd rather sit in my room and cry myself to sleep over the fact that I lost miserably, you know. Um, So they were able to coerce me into having an election night party. Uh, So I showed up and we're standing there and I was already in my head reciting my concession speech. And I was telling myself, do not cry, do not cry, do not cry. and uh, the first results came out and I didn't even want to look at them. And actually, this is a really funny story because the way I found out about the election results was because of you. You're the one that sent me the Snapchat who, that showed me that I was at 59% to my opponent's, uh, was it 49 or whatever? Um, no, I was at 59 and she was at 39. No, 59 and she was at 41. That's what it was, 59 to 41. Um, and that was with the first election results that came out. And anyone who knows anything about politics is that a 10-point lead is almost, you know, there's no way you're going to come from that. That's too big of a lead, you know. So it became very clear in that moment that unless something dramatically changed within the next hour, I had won the election by a wide margin. Um, so, you know, but I was still in disbelief. I didn't want to, I didn't want to believe that I had won it yet. I was like, someone's lying to me. Someone is lying to me. Show me, I want to see, show me the receipts, you know. Um, and the next one came out, the next result came out at 10 p.m. and I was at 61%. And then it came out at 11 p.m. and I was at 62%. And then I remained at 62% until the elections were certified. So I got 62% of the vote to my opponent's 38%. And she had been there for nine years was clearly the front runner in the race and had spent a lot more money than I did. So to say it was a political upset is, you know, an understatement. You know, I, I felt like the AOC of Salinas, and this was actually before AOC won her election. Um, and I was getting calls from the news the next day. You know, I, was, I got interviewed by KCW. I got interviewed by Monterey County Weekly. I got interviewed by the Salinas Californian. And, you know, at that moment, it became clear to me that I had made history in the city of Salinas, at least. So that's my story of up until election. Um, and I'll stop there in case you have any questions. You want to go over that? Yeah, I just want to speak on to the fact when I sent you those results. Um, for the whole day, I saw the day before, and I was just thinking about you because I knew that you were running, and I knew that the election results were coming out. And 
I think I was like, I was in my dorm and I was like, and I was telling everyone I knew, I was like, yo, this person who's young, he's running and I want him to win, but I just don't know the results yet. And I was like, refresh, refresh, refresh. And as soon as I found out, I said it to you, but you seemed confused that like you were like, are you sure? Like, is that it? Like, do you, what? And so it was like, it was just great to like, see, I, I like, I knew all the hard work that you had done. Um, I knew the mentality that you had going in. I knew the authenticity you brought to be a politician. I, I just knew you as a person and I knew that that position was right for you. And although I didn't know the other side of like your opponent, I knew that it was time for something new in terms of Salinas. You know, Salinas has, Salinas is a great city, but we just need to do so much more to be a better city for everyone and not just one group or just one side of Salinas, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so with that, I just want to ask, like, what would you tell someone who is a younger person who wants to run in a position and be successful? And if they don't win, uh, what they can do to still be in, polit in politics in terms of their city or or just, uh, you know, in any sort of level? I know that you have some experience with that. Well, you know, that, that's a great transition. Um, and I think you highlighted something that I, I firmly believe, which is Salinas is a great city. We're a beautiful community. We just suffer from elected officials who lack spine, who lack political courage, and who lack political independence. I mean, we're dealing with economic disparity that is directly attributed to political corruption and corporate greed. That's the truth. Um, so to answer your question, what I would tell a young person who's considering running is run, do it. Um, young people have to be asked to run because we never think we're qualified. Um, but the reality is, if you don't think you're qualified, you should look at the people serving in elected office. You know what I mean? Um, you know, there's actually a funny quote is from former United States Senator Mike Gravel. He said, um, when I first got elected to office, I showed up. And I asked myself, wow, how did I get here? And then by the second month, I turned around and I said, how the hell did the rest of them get here? So, you know, really, that, that I mean, that's how politics can be. Um, so, you know, I would tell any young person who's considering running is do it. Um, but, you know, make sure that you're rooted in your beliefs. Make sure that you know the issues. Make sure that you... Um, serve on a board at least you know whether it be your you know school site council try and get on a nonprofit board try and get on a city or county commission it's not always that easy for everyone but try and get involved in some level of board governance because that'll be crucial to you not only as a candidate to have credibility but it'll be crucial to you once you're in elected office because you'll understand how government is supposed to work um, because a lot of times elected officials get elected and we're indoctrinated to believe that we're not allowed to create the type of change we really want to make. So having that background serves you really well. Um, prior to me serving on the school board, I had served on a plethora of boards and commissions. So when I was able to serve on the school board, although there was a lot of new things that I learned, I understood parliamentary procedure, right? And I understood how a board should operate. So that served me really well. Um, but what I would really, my piece of advice to young people is, Make sure that you are able to put up with the amount of emotional stress you will go through, the amount of constant self-doubt that you will go through, because really elections are a big old popularity contest. Popularity contest. I mean, you're putting yourself out there and hoping that thousands of people will say, 
huh, I like that person, right? So it plays an emotional role on you. Um, but really it's, you know, make sure you know the issues, make sure that you um, are in it for the right reasons and that you are able to put up with, with all that is thrown at you. Um, it's not easy, but it's worth it. And, and what I would like to say to all the young people is count on me as a mentor, count on me as someone to help you. I want to see more young people in elected office. I do not want to be the only one. So I'm here as a resource to all future young people that want to get involved. Uh, call me, text me, let's get in contact. I would love to help you on your campaign because, you know, strength in numbers and nobody ever says, huh, there's too many white men in elected office. But suddenly, you know, if you get too many young people, it's like, oh, you know, you're too many young people. But no, we, we really do need some more um, diversity in elected office because in order for government to work, for the community, it has to look like the community. And we're majority young and majority Latino, and we don't have a single young Latino on the council. So, yeah. Yeah, and then um, if anyone wants to contact you, where should they look or where should they go um, to even find a little bit more about who you are or just to simply um, ask you questions if they're running for office? Yeah, so um, I'm on Facebook, you know, my name is Anthony Rocha, and I have a Twitter, which is elect Anthony Rocha. No, it's just elect Anthony R. And uh, my number is 831-240-8170. I'll make sure to add that in the description. And also, if anyone didn't get any of that, you can also DM us, uh, First View Podcast, and then I'll make sure to get you in contact with Tony. Um, and you also talked a little bit more about diversity um, in politics. Why do you think it's so important for people of color young people of color to be part of politics? That's a really good question. And, um, you know, diversity often sounds cliche. And the reason why it sounds cliche is because those in political power say it's cliche, but it's not cliche. We have not reached parity in terms of women in elected office. We have not reached parity in terms of young people in elected office. And it's shown throughout the policies that are approved. If you ever are wondering why something is passed and you're like, what in God's name were they thinking? It's because more times than not, it was a group of people that looked nothing like the community being served that passed it, right? Um, so the importance of young people and young people of color in serving an elected office is that we provide a perspective that has never been provided in elected office. And we do it not through a third person perspective, but through a first person um, perspective. Because a lot of the times the issues that we're fighting about are issues that directly affect us. We're not homeowners. We're not people with a lot of money. We're not people that are looking at a bright future of you know, wealth for ourselves. A lot of us are looking at graduating from college in a year or two and having no, you know, idea anytime soon of when we might get a house, right? We're young people that want to stay in our community, but are constantly finding ourselves being priced out of our community. So I firmly believe those closest to the pain need to be closest to the power. And right now, a lot of the issues that are affecting Salinas are directly impacting young people and the next generation. So it only makes sense for one of us or several of us to serve in that position because we get to influence policy. I love what you say about people that are directly um, connected to the pain have to be directly directed to the power. Um, that is something that honestly, and throughout your whole journey, uh, you're just giving me chills, like end after end, because you're speaking facts and you're speaking the truth that honestly, like we don't hear at all. We don't hear it. 
um, from the news and we don't hear enough from young people, especially young people of color. Um, and what would you tell someone who realistically anyone, but more specifically a young person of color who just doesn't believe that politics is for them or that politics doesn't matter? Well, what I would say is, um, have you been living under a rock? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, but seriously, uh, politics touches the very fabric, every single fabric of our life. Um, every single decision made by elected officials impacts us not only right now, but impacts us 10, 20, 30, and even 40 years down the line. Um, and local elections matter. So if you're thinking, why is Selena so unaffordable? It's because the city council has not prioritized investments in affordable housing. If you're looking at why don't we have more libraries? Why don't we have more parks? It's because the city has not invested in libraries and parks like they should have. If you're looking at why is my school lunch tasting disgusting? It's because young people who are eating that lunch are not at the decision-making table. Um, so whatever issue you're thinking of, you could directly attribute it to those in elected office and just to government as, as in whole as, as a general you know um i mean if you're driving down the road and you cannot drive down these streets without having to get your car realigned because of all the potholes you know that's that's directly uh, attributed to government right so for those who believe that politics doesn't matter i would simply say you haven't been paying attention enough because whether it be through the federal level or through a local level, politics touches us uh, really profoundly. I mean, you just have to look at what this president is doing. He's destroying, you know, the fabric of, of this nation. He, you know, he's going after immigrants. He's going after every single marginalized group. Um, we're, we're seeing at the local level, like I said, uh, gentrification happening. You know, unaffordability is, is skyrocketing and it's pushing people out of the city. So um, politics affects us all. And that's why we have to get involved to make a difference. Because if not you, then who? Truly, if not you, then who? Uh, and if you're not at the table, guess what? That is what elected officials want to see. I could tell you what, if I go to my school board meeting and nobody shows up, that means I could get in, get out in an hour and a half. Boom, I could go home and I could eat my dinner or whatever. But if 30 people show up to public comment, now I'm looking at staying at a meeting two, three, four hours. Um, and it'll definitely, you know, impact the way I'm looking at voting something, right? Um, so I'll definitely tell young people of color, but really everyone in general is get involved because you can make a difference. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I never thought, you know, when I first got involved that I'd make any real difference in the community. I just wanted to make sure that my voice was heard um, and that the voices of those who look like me was heard. But since being on the school board, I pushed a resolution to ban the use of chlorpyrifos, which is a really toxic pesticide in our schools. We no longer use toxic pesticides for gardening around our schools. That means that the students who go uh, to our schools are not you know, uh, being presented with you know, toxic chemicals because oftentimes, when are these chemicals being sprayed? At seven in the morning. When are the youth that uh, have farm worker parents and that don't have childcare, you know, providers, when are they being dropped off at school? At seven in the morning, right? And they're waiting until the cafeteria opens or waiting until, you know, they get to be seated. So those types of students are being directly impacted by that. So I was able to push for that. Since being on the school board, um, I'm the one that made the motion on the board and I was able to get my colleagues to agree and we passed ethnic studies as a graduation requirement. 
um, which is big. We're the first school district in the Tri-County area to do that. Um, we have, as a board, unanimously passed a resolution calling on the city to terminate the Life PD contract. With now, with now, we don't have Life PD anymore, right? So all those things, I could say, are directly attributed to me being on the board. I'm not saying I did it alone, but if had I not been on the board, they probably wouldn't have happened, right? So I could fundamentally say that I've made a difference in the future of Salinas by me being involved. Um, and I'm not someone that had a 3.0 GPA or 4.0 GPA. I'm not someone that comes from riches. I'm not someone that was particularly, you know, educationally astute in school. I graduated high school with a 2.0 GPA. And I just felt that we needed, you know, to have more advocates for young people in, in politics. But yeah, I mean, that's really what, what I would tell young people. Yeah, can you talk a little bit more about difficulties of pol like politics and difficulties that come from being a politician and how you overcame them and how maybe they're perceived as overwhelming, but in reality, it's just pushing forward and, and really trying to conquer them, but not enough people do, especially young people of color. So yeah, that's a great question. Um, what I could tell you as a young person in elected office, um, it's waking up to a plethora of microaggressions about your age. Every single conversation you have with someone, your age will come up. Every single time you push for something, your age will come up. Every single time you mention the news, your age will come up. Um, but I would tell young people is use it to your advantage. Your age is not a minus on you, it's a plus. It's what makes you qualified to speak on issues affecting our generation. Um, as to the struggles of being an elected official, um, you are held to higher standard and rightfully so. You're entrusted with a really important role in the community, which is to fight for the people and to get things done. Um, so obviously your um, private life has to be a little bit more private, right? Um, and you have to be really intentional and careful with the words that you use. Um, and you have to always hold yourself to the highest standard. Really, I carry myself with the mentality whenever I go out that someone's recording me, and someone is, is paying attention to what I'm doing. And that's how I compose in public. That's how I behave in public. Like someone's always recording me and someone's always taking notes on what I'm doing. Um, and certainly that could be overbearing for anyone, right? Um, but that is one thing you trade off for the ability to create meaningful change and to positively impact the lives of thousands of people. So that's a struggle. Um, and for me, I mean, you know, I'm going to school while I'm working and being in elected office. So certainly, you know, staying up till 12 o'clock reading a board packet has become a usual for me. But uh, there's that one saying, if you love your job, you never work a day in your life. And I truly love public policy and I love serving in my role. So, you know, I, I, I feel privileged to be able to be someone who's tasked with this. And I take it very seriously. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, just by you speaking and your persona coming onto this podcast clearly states that you're passionate and that you're really inspiring others to move forward. And like we talked about earlier, is as you're in this position of power, as you're climbing up that ladder, you're still building up that ladder for others to join you and for others and to make it easier for others to join. Um, and, I, and I do want to ask, like, if you were to do this all over again, how, what would you dif do differently? What would you tell yourself to watch out for just to simply not do or to do? Mm -hmm. 
Well, first I wanted to, to mention what you talked about, which is building that ladder for other young people. Today alone, I had three young people from various places in the state call me because they want to run for office and they've asked me for advice. And on top of that, I'm having this podcast with you. So for me, this has all been a really fun day because I've got to, you know, share my advice and my perspectives to young people. And these young people are running and hopefully I could be a part of them winning because I don't want to be the only one. So I'm really excited to do that. And to any young person who would run, I would tell them, be a mentor to the next young person and make sure you uplift others. Um, and I've really made a commitment to do that. Uh, and I'm really proud of myself for doing that because it's a lot easier to sit out and just say, well, I'm in here. I don't want to ruffle too many feathers. But, you know, I'm angering some people because I'm supporting young people versus people who've already been in positions of power. But that's what we need to do. I mean, change is not going to come easy. Change never comes easy. And power is never given. Power is taken from people in elected office. So I'm really proud to be supporting a lot of young people who are running and I will continue to do so. Uh, to answer your question, um, if I would do it all over again, um, obviously I would say yes, but in reflection, I would say no, because there are lessons that are learned through mistakes and every failure is a success in a way because you learn something and you grow as a person. And really, um, life is all about growth and life is all about learning new things and becoming a better person and becoming a better version of yourself. Um, my mess ups in life, my times that I've tripped and fell flat on my face is what's made me who I am today. Um, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I mean, of course, if you could cherry pick every single decision you've made and redo it, um, certainly you'd have a starkly different reality but what would that reality be if you didn't have the knowledge of messing up? So, you know, to those who have messed up, I say you learned and you've grown as a person. Um, and really it's sort of mistakes that we become better and we learn more and we become smarter. Yeah, of course, I totally agree with that. And I think that sometimes we forget about that. You know, we forget that if we don't fail, we can't move forward and if we succeed, we still have to learn of how we did it, but it's harder to stop and think and reflect upon what has happened, which is so much easier when you have failed. And like you speak to it very, very well. And now I wanna ask you, what are your future goals? What are your, what are your, what is your future pathway that you right now you're thinking of going on? And I know you were just uh, accepted to UC Santa Cruz. Congratulations, by the way. Um, Thank you. And I wanted, yeah, I wanna hear a little bit more about what you're planning for in the future. So I wanted to thank you for that question. And what some people don't know is that I also was accepted to UC Berkeley and UC Davis. And I'm gonna talk a little bit about what my decision was in rejecting both of those because, you know, most people don't understand where I'm coming from and maybe I'm wrong, but um, I really do not like how prestigious institutional educations are viewed as a litmus test for success. Um, and a lot of students of color, a lot of first-generation students, uh, devalue themselves if they're not able to get into these top universities. And they feel like they haven't made it unless they got into Berkeley, unless they got into Davis, unless they got into Stanford. Um, and I just don't think that's true. And for me, as an elected official, uh, I have a little bit of privilege in that 
you know, I've built up a good resume for myself that would allow me to be successful in my life. At least that's the way I look at it now. Um, so I don't need UC Berkeley next to my resume to make me more, um, you know, more credentialed, right? Um, and which schools uh, do I think really serve a greater purpose in um, uplifting the voices of minority students? It's uh, educational institutions like CSUMB and UC Santa Cruz that have a higher proportion of uh, lower socioeconomic students who go to them simply because of their closer proximity to those communities and because they're cheaper in price, right? Um, but those universities are often seen as easy to get into and not really a real education. So because I know that I'm most likely going to succeed, I'm going to have probably better titles attached to my name, I want UC Santa Cruz to be a part of that. And I want UC Santa Cruz to be a reason of why my success is where it's at. So the next young person that goes to UC Santa Cruz can say, well, Anthony Rocha graduated from here. And I know that's a little bit egotistical, you know, because I'm only a school board member now. But, you know, if I were to ever, you know, down the line become something more important, I want it to be attributed to that university. And I want UC Santa Cruz prestigiousness to be raised because people like me and others went there. Because if I graduate from Berkeley, I'm just another elected official that graduated from Berkeley. And, you know, while that may, well, that might be good for, you know, reasons of, of having a close network of fundraisers, right, of those who graduated the same class of me, that's not what I want for myself. And, and I don't feel the need to put myself through a really top tier institutional education to prove who I am. Uh, and that's not to discredit those who do go to these universities because it is really admirable to put yourself through that and my praise goes to those who do that. But that's just not what I want for myself. Um, so as to where I look at myself going in the future, I'm running for city council right now this November. Um, so obviously I hope to win that election. Um, and the reason why I'm running is because I do believe in my heart that economic disparity is at the crux of all of our problems. If you talk about homelessness, if you talk about lack of educational opportunity, if you talk about a plethora of issues, it's directly attributed to economic disparity. And I believe economic disparity, I believe poverty can be prevented. And I believe that it's attributed to elected officials who would, would, would rather invest in their political career than put the needs of the community first. I think that it's attributed to corporate greed. I think it's attributed to individuals who are looking at how they could get a greater profit at the cost of the community, right? So I'm running for city council because I wanna make sure we have critical investments in affordable housing, that we have critical investments in our libraries and our parks, and that we have a community that puts people over profits. Yeah, so now I wanna give you this chance to just really speak your mind on anything because I know that you talked about your story in, in a very general and wide array of topics and it's truly inspirational and motivational and I just want to see if you want to mention anything else before we end off. I would just tell people your story, your struggles, while they make who you are, they also add a lot of value to you as a person. Hmm. Um, struggles may be shared struggles, but they're also unique struggles and use that as a motivator to excel in life. Use that as a motivator to help others uh, who are having similar stories as you. Uh, we get degrees and we get fancy positions, but oftentimes we forget about what got us there. And I truly do believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And it, I would not be where I'm at 
if it wasn't for the community in which I was raised. Um, and I would just really like to emphasize the importance of giving back to your community. Um, it's crucial. I mean, this is the only thing we got, which is each other. And we need to make sure that we're all making, we're doing our part in making Salinas a better place. Um, and the budget, you know, is coming up for the city of Salinas. And this is a great opportunity for young people to get involved in the budget process, to make their voices heard, and to advocate for the type of city they want to see. Um, the census is coming up. It's a great way for young people to make sure that we're getting the dollars that we need to our community. And make sure to vote on election day. Your vote is your voice. And if you don't like who's on the ballot, then put your name on the ballot, right? Um, so I just want to tell young people, don't ever underestimate yourself because of your age. Your age is a plus to you. And make sure that you give back to your community because that's really what it's gonna to take to make our city a better place. People that look like us giving back. And to end off and to speak to, it takes a village to raise a child or to raise someone who's successful. I wanna give you this time to thank anyone who has helped you on this pathway to success. And although I know there's a multitude of people and just so many people that have supported you in this pathway, even if, if it's you just saying that you wanna thank everyone, I love to mention it in every single podcast because it's such a crucial thing for everyone to know that it takes a village to raise a, to raise a child because sometimes we forget we think that you know i could do it by myself or i just need my parents but it takes so many more people and something that i remember that phrase um, from is you have to be able to stand on the shoulder of giants to be able to rise above and to learn a lot more so yeah i just want to give you this time uh, yeah, like you mentioned, there's so many people that I could mention, but my mother it has played a huge role in my life. Um, but really, the people that I would um, give a lot of um, credit to is all the young people, because I would not be where I'm at right now if it was not for young people supporting me. Mm -hmm. um, you guys have been my guiding star. Um, and whenever things come up that are difficult, I always ask myself, why am I doing this? what is my motivating factor? And it's young people, because I had a lot of support from young people when I ran, and that is what keeps me going. Because I know that you guys place a lot of trust in me, and I wanna to continue to deliver for you guys. The way I see it is I'm elected for four years, and I have four years to fundamentally change stuff until maybe I potentially lose my re-election, but hopefully I win. But I'm here to make change in the time that I'm given, and I'm privileged to have that opportunity. So my huge thanks goes to all the young people who have supported me. And just know that I support you all, even if I don't know who you are. Uh, oftentimes I'll go to Safeway or we're Starbucks or whatever, and a young person will come up to me on the time that they voted for me, that they know who I am. And, and you know, that just makes my day. So if you ever see me, just make sure to come up to me. And you know, I'm really uh, relatable and I'm really nice. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, young people are my motivating factor and they're why I do what I do because we need to have more voices like ours. And I don't want to be the only one. So I really hope that more young people will run for office and I'm here to be a mentor to them all. Yeah, and um, to end off, I speak to a lot of amazing individuals that have been mostly young onto this podcast and it really is the reason why I have a lot of hope for the future. It's because there's people like you who are creating change and that are building this ladder for other people to climb other than yourself. Like you said, it's people over profits and for one, I am inspired and motivated to go out there and vote even more so talking to you. And I'm even more so inspired and motivated to make sure to spread your message through this podcast because 
like I said, before I started this podcast, I didn't really think about the effect that this can do, the effect that your voice and your story can have on others. And hearing yours and your effect on me gives me a lot more hope and a lot more happiness, really, honestly, to keep on moving forward. And I just want to thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. And, and I just want to end on one of my favorite quotes. It's from Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. So I just want to make sure that young people never stop believing in their dreams. Um, go out and do good. Do as much good as you possibly can for as many people as you possibly can for as long as you possibly can. It's been a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for joining us and hearing this truly inspiring story. Feel free to follow us at First View Podcast on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook to get previews of our weekly episodes as well as other content that you might like. So I'm going to be real with you. I didn't think starting a podcast was going to be this difficult. So if you're interested in joining our team, being a podcast guest, or simply giving us feedback and comments so that we can improve in the future, you could DM us or click the link in our bio to learn more. Once again, this is Juan Perez, and you're listening to the First View Podcast. I hope you have a great day, and come back next week for more amazing POC stories.